It's your favorite wandering fool, aka Cicely Marie Goose, live again with a little bit of a glimpse into the horror stories of divination. <laughs> if you joined us yesterday on yesterday's show, we were talking about how astrology's origins were made and where they came from. And one of the points I want to bring back up is the fact that astronomers were the predictors and astrologers were the interpreters. It was like the beginning of news. The astronomers would predict an event happening in the stars, a conjunct, an alignment, an eclipse, and the astrologers would convey the messages out to the regular people. This was a very human-based divination project, right? It's a very divination-based project. But it also reminds of how we got to modern-day news where we have people writing news in the background and having the anchors or meteorologists or broadcasters come out and speak the message and how they can be skewed, which can indirectly cause a horror story for a particular group of people. And I have my co-host here. I think he'll have some fun with this topic. Yo, <clears throat> divination horror stories, eh? A. Eh. Some of the scariest things you've ever heard of throughout history passed through divination. Hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, you sure about that? Uh, I don't quite know how much has horrified you, but these <laughs> stories, being that I'm new to the world of news and media, I went way back to the astrology days and started looking at how they used to tell the common man stories through different types of divination. Yeah. You know, there was one called, and this is kind of the preface to the horror story. There's one called Bibliomancy, divination using books, asking a question aloud, then opening a book and reading what it says. Oh, I do that all the time. That's fun. Bibliomancy. I, I've done it with the with actual with the um the book, right? The Bible, the Christian Bible, and um, uh, several other texts. It's quite fun, quite fun. I've seen it as a trend going around Instagram for a little while too. They were like, "Open to page thirty, and the first sentence describes your love life." And I was like, "Ooh, Bibliomancy. We're still doing it." It's like the trends start over one more time. There is electriomancy, divination using chickens, throwing out seed and watching them scratch up letters to spell names. And that was from 364 CE to 378 CE. So they would get news through divination using chickens. Wait, what? Yes. A-L-E-C-T-R-Y-O-M-A. 
A-N-C-Y. Electromancy? Um, yeah, well, electromancy. I mean, I know the mancy, like, it's, a, it's, it's in that whole uh, category of, you know, of divination like that comes from, like, cartomancy, necromancy. Um, but I never heard, what's the first part of the word? A-L-E-C-T-R-Y-O. Okay, so forget about the, the, uh, alect, electromancy. Mm-hmm. Um, that I've, that I've not, uh, that I've not heard. <laughs> right. So the horror story is, imagine if they're picking your future spouse using chicken feed and they're scratching out letters and you get the most grotesque creature in the whole damn village. Horror story, right? Hmm. <laughs> that definitely, that's definitely interesting. I mean, wow. Just like the first one I seen was Hiromancy, and it was divination using the uh, entrails. Now, now, now it's now it's Hiromancy. Hiromancy. H e i r. It's H i e r. Hiromancy. Now I H- I am known wait, 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 for butchering. H i e r. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that would probably more be hero Hiromancy, but I don't know. Um, I'll have to look that up. So it's, uh, I'm going to butcher the names because a lot of these are in long dead languages. I'm not a professional linguistics. I'm just really interested in how these stories played out. But it was divination using entrails, especially the liver. So depending on the condition of the liver of the uh, animal. Uh, liver with Chianti and some fava beans. Right, fava beans and a nice Chianti. <laughs> so can you imagine sacrificing a sheep and opening it up and using the liver, heart, and other entrails to tell a story on a table and you have to make this, if, it, if the results are inconclusive, like if it's a bad liver, it's going to be a bad day or this is a bad ruler. But if it's a good day, you know, everything goes fine. And this was used for a couple of centuries. It was one of the first divination practices. But can you imagine how skewed the results would have been? What if they had a disease in the calf population or the sheep population? Well, I mean, look, that's, you think people back then were worried about that? They didn't know about, about the microorganisms. <laughs> right. But can you imagine how many stories? To tell them. It wasn't. But I mean, I mean, I thought I, I would figure they were just using fresh dead animals, like freshly fresh kills. They would do a ceremony and then ritually kill the animal, and while it was still warm, they would take and look at the entrails. All right. Well, I mean, it's not so bad. I know it was a good year for sheep farmer. Hmm. Or maybe they had to donate them. Can you imagine trying to get, they kept getting inconclusive results, so they took all of your sheets for holy, um, holy purposes only. 
and killed them all, I'd be angry. Brings a whole new meaning to to uh, bringing lamb to the slaughter. Right. I wonder if they ate the meat afterwards, like if there was a ceremony, or were they just wasting meat? Hey, you guys down there, I see y'all. Andre said it, but what if there's a disease in the animal pop? And it's going to be, well, it's going to be a bad day. That's the horror story. That's a real horror story. The king was thrown off the throne because the sheep population had bad liver. Just an update. Um, Your uh, package, it says... Your Amazon package is on the way, but running late. We're sorry for the delay. Now expected January 11th to January wow. 13th. Track your delivery for the latest updates. Anyway, so your book, Moon Magic and Mindfulness with Grace, is um, is uh, going to be delayed a little bit. Yeah. That's how mail runs around here. I'm always missing mail. And it's still Mercury Retrograde. Well, all right. Well, let's back. Sorry for the distraction. Back to uh, back to uh, your. Um... Oh yeah, divination horror stories. These are just different types of divination practices. Tyromancy, T Y R O, Mancy, described as using cheese holes to spell names. The holes made up initials, and that would be the person that it would be like yes or no or someone's initials this person with this initial it's your love type thing they did that during the dark ages though so you know wow but the holes in cheese that's a definite horror story hey andrea and samantha are here how y'all doing how y'all doing today ladies (laughs) Okay. Let's see what she say. If uh, there were a di- a disease in the animal pop, it was probably going to be a bad day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whole culture of people disappearing because on this day the sheep was not in good health. <laughs> and when I look at them as horror stories from the newscasters of the past, it makes it a lot funnier. Because there was one divination tool using herring fat and the membrane. So you would take this gray, hey, Samantha, herring fat and the membranes, and they would throw it against the wall. And if it stuck, he would be a good husband. If it failed, he would be crooked in his ways in his marriage. Can you imagine being judged on your compatibility as a husband based on if shit hits the wall and sticks. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, I've not done, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I mean, look, think about it. Like, like, are you surprised? People depend on all kinds of things to um, to base their decisions on. I mean, it's uh, it's. I mean, let's think about some of the stuff that people do. All right, you christen a ship, 
they break a bottle of wine, a good bottle of wine that some some perfectly normal alcoholic would rather be drinking, right? <laughs> right. And then, and then you got uh, with uh, and and Jews when they get married, they uh, they step on a, you know, on a pe- on a glass or something. Like that. They crush it. They wrap it in a cloth and they crush it um, for good luck. Um, uh, in most other Western weddings, people throw the what is that thing that those the the bouquet. Right, or people to catch yeah. um, Tossing okay. And uh, in some cultures, um, uh, they they make uh, sacrifices to the god Moloch. So they kill another person. Can you imagine um, <laughs> getting married and somebody gets killed, gets sacrificed at your wedding? So <laughs> yikes! It's like a wedding sacrifice. Oh, I hope they don't use virgins. Well, what is the significance of that? What, using virgins? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, um, it's, uh, um, from, from old, uh, outdated ideas about purity, um, specifically, um, very misogynistic and, um, and uh, what do you call the paternalistic ideas about about purity, um, and specifically because, um, unfortunately, back in the day, because men know how dirty they are and how fucked up they are, because um, they considered here's one of the reasons why sex is considered so dirty and stuff like that is because um, men are are basically back in the day because of the the patriarchal nature they're basically rapists, and when you're raping somebody that's not the best of of ways right i'm sure that that they know that somebody kicking and screaming for them to stop and so if someone was a virgin that means they weren't you know because men in the back then thought of sex as like this this crazy Conquered. horrible thing because they had to take it by conquest right so yep you know this conquest and violence in it so if you were a virgin meaning you weren't conquested and so, therefore, the, these ideas of purity come out of that, which is really horrible. But that's, um, unfortunately, how history has evolved. Talk about horror story. That is a horror story. That's a divination horror story, even, because, you know. Yeah. Because they use um, purity as a tactic to keep you pure. Or to keep you at the sacrificial state. It reminds me of the tales of Medusa, where she was a virgin priestess, and because she was conquered by a male god. It's two versions of that story. They say that they made her a gorgon so that she could never be harmed by man again. The goddess took pity. But in the main version, they say that she was so angered that she was no longer a virgin that she turned her into a monster. I think it's somewhere in between that she was so angry that she turned her anger turned her into a gorgon in order that she not she no longer be uh, disturbed by men. I can see that working because it's been a trend lately of sexual assault survivors getting Medusa tattooed on them as their patron saint as a protection like a sigil. They'll never be disturbed by men again. But they do it in a ceremonious way. They tell their story, and then they receive their tattoo. It's been quite interesting to watch it happen. 
there's some interesting. I had some art somewhere. I'm not. I can't have it right now. But there, I have a lot of art of of like um, of Medusa and or uh, Lilith with a sword in one hand and a man's head beheaded in the other. Yep. Have you ever seen that image? Mm-hmm. There's some some of them that is, is Medusa and some are Lilith. And actually some stories make them the same. Oh, my God, I cannot believe. I'm watching a person back up right now with their door open into a parking space and they almost knocked their door off. I mean, what? What right. the hell? Okay. I should be paying attention to this conversation, but yes, there is. Um, yeah, that, I, I've always liked that image. It's a very fierce image, um, you know. And you see, she's uh, she's nude, with the sword in one hand, and the, you know, the the the, the beheaded. The man here in the other. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh yeah, like it's a real deal. Some people take patron saints in the new in the new age in this culture. They take historical figures and call them saints. Mm. Or they take, like, Anna Nicole Smith is like a pop culture saint now. Well, I've done because that. of her. St- I, I've done with Floor. I call her Saint Floor. I did a, a podcast about that a while ago. Oh, it's beautiful. It's really, really neat. Like, well, I'm surprised you noticed yesterday because that wasn't the fixation of my um, my photograph that I sent you. You were like, you saw her her ID was still in my my wallet thingy. Yeah, because in my macabre love story ideas, that's probably one of the sweetest things I've ever seen. But it was off to the side. You must have had to zoom in. What were you look, trying to look at my IDs? With the... <laughs> no, it wasn't off to the side. I just look at a full picture before I zoom in on what I'm supposed to be looking at with my eyes. Mm. You sent it with the phone open. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I saw it. And I was like, oh, that's probably the sweetest shit I've ever seen. I was, and I told him, I was like, I hope somebody loved me like that one day. Well, somebody probably already does. They just haven't. Um, express it to you. Well, they need to hurry up because the jackasses they left me around are riding backwards on a donkey. Wait, what? Say that again. The jackasses he left me around are riding backwards on a donkey. Hmm. So they're working in the opposite direction and acting like asses. Well, some people just don't, uh, they're not ready. Hmm. They better hurry up before I transform into a Gorgon. All right, well, hold on there. Just hold on. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, the patience that we <clears throat> we need to practice is not get practiced. So, hello, uh, perceptions today. I remember perceptions today. I spoke to on wisdom for the first time, and uh, we still have to get together and. And uh, talk eventually. Um, Hello. I don't think I've heard them. Yeah, we. I was doing a, a podcast. Um, one I got really upset about because it got some, something. I have to. I have to do a whole hack through um, through wisdom just to get the recording. It was about psychedelics, and um, and anyway, it was two hours and something long. But it only let me download like 13 minutes of it. Ooh. So, 
And so I have to um, do a hard play on it and do an external from one device in real time, uh, play it into another microphone just so I can get the damn thing. So it's a little annoying, but I got to do what I got to do. Do what you got to do. That reminds me, I got to repost some of my wisdom chats. I did the astrological origins a little better on wisdom. So I do love and I do really enjoy recording on both platforms because it may be the same information, but it's conveyed a lot easier on one versus the other. Or I may record well on this side and then have to put the wisdom on the Patreon. Right. But I'm, I'm getting my wings. I'm learning the balance of it. I do have, like, okay, for the people in the audience, I watch a lot of random tarot card readings and listen to the stories. And that was kind of the basis of divination horror stories because the titles were like clickbait dues titles. But I'd get into the story and be like, oh, what is this? What's going on? I would be eating popcorn listening to it, just going to sleep listening to it. It was like watching soap operas play out. But I got one today. And I was just listening to her talk and laughing and writing about it. But the title that came to me was Anastasia. The Lost Daughter Kept in Secret. Understood to be dead, the last of the royal blood, the last that breathed on earth, the last of the astrologica, interpreter of the stars, able to see the messages and words, the cards and the numbers from the blood of the oracle. Now, that's just me listening in and picking up on these horror stories. If I watch another one, I may be able to do like a mad lib of the next part. That's me picking out words that they were saying and using them in sequence you know i really love these um greek sounding and uh these these titles in english like that like blood of the oracle like these are things that i'm going to turn into song titles or album titles or or like even the name of a band blood of the oracle right so i'm just picking up there is a form of divination that used to be used in ancient greece where they would offer an offering to an oracle and her name was P H A T E. Fate. Ha ha! I didn't want to say it incorrectly. Her name. Well, I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying. I mean, it's, it's either fate or fate or or fate. If I mean, there's not. There's so many. There's only so many um, phonetic pronunciations we can make of that. So fate, but they would come and with they would give her an offering. She would burn an incense and they would whisper into her her ear and she would literally give out or either pick out every other word for a prediction. So that's what I did with this little, little poem. I just let the free writing work. And I was like, whatever word stuck in my head, that was the one that I wrote. And it came out a pretty decent little prose. I was like, let's see if it actually works. It's a fun game to play. I can't really give you a real message like the world is going to end on blah, blah, blah. But I'll probably be able to write a Mad Lib book like this. 
And they're like, where did you get such profound names? Now, fate is, um, you know, a Andrea earlier was talking about um, uh, compounding words, actually in reference to you about conjunctions. Conjunction function. What's um, your function? Yeah, um, and about how uh, putting together words was, you know, because you have, you spell one word, you spell another, and so when one spell stops working, you make a respelling with a conjunction because the old spell stopped working, now you have a new spell. Um, and, and the example uh, that Andrea was using is like how there's this new thing that um, Lois was talking to her about where they talk about um, atmospheric rivers something like that. Is that how you say it, Andrea? Uh, atmospheric Yeah, she's sending up some claps. It's like, what the fuck? Atmospheric rivers. <laughs> and, and wow. It's it just flooding. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, why can't you just say flooding? But they want to, you know, put the fear of, of uh, climate change into people, you know, because media is a new god, right? Well, it's been a right. new god for a long time. I was just going to say, it's an old God. The interpreters yeah. were swayed by money since they started interpreting. So, and that, which, that's what's really interesting because people of all faiths and all different kind of religions and things like that um, will, the, 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 the news media of all kinds is like their, their whole testament. I mean, that's like they, they look at it and they follow all the stuff that's on there over the Bible, over their pastors, over everything. They go to the news and don't realize how um, anathema that is to their own faith. Mm-hmm. I mean, if because... you really are faithful, then you would listen to your own religion. I mean, in my case, it's listen to yourself and your own reason and logic. I mean, the first thing that I follow is from ancient uh, philosophy. That's the principle of sufficient reason. Hmm. There has to be a sufficient reason for anything to be done. Right. And anything that exists, exists exactly in the way it does in no other way because there's a f sufficient reason for it to be so. And um, if people would start there, I think it's a good... I mean, I don't always start there, but uh, I, I think that it's a good call to action. Yeah. It really is, and it simplifies it down to... Is there a good enough reason to be doing this? Is there a good enough reason to cause harm to this person? Then don't do it. Yeah, you know, somebody actually that, uh, well, we'll talk about this <laughs> off there. Um, not that I, because it's not, I'm not talking smack about anybody. It's just that I don't want to cause them any further harm um, because they made amends through their actions, which is something I always enjoy is when people do something that shows that they're trying to make a peace treaty rather than just saying something. So because they said something before and they did a whole thing about it, like they made a whole program about it, like a whole piece of content about it surrounding something that I said. And and then mm. they made amends and it was really sweet. So, um, but I'm not going to put them on blast. So <clears throat> Definitely talk off air on that one. For sure, no. but um, I wonder if that has something to do with what I wonder what today today is. Um, wait a minute, I'm gonna look in a book. Um, I have I have Graciela Moore's book as a, as a matter of fact that that I talked to about Andrea's show too, and Andrea was talking about um, 
about um, how the internet and stuff is going to be here forever, you know, it's going to continue after us. And I, I, I agree with that to a certain point, Ms. Raquel, but um, I think that not everybody has to publish a book, but I think that what Graciela did and that publishing books or even pamphlets, right, or like essays that you can put in physical form is another way to keep your legacy on even longer because they have physicality to them. And then if you can, like, find a way to encase it in stone or some stainless steel and bury it somewhere. <laughs> right? They'll find it in the future. Right, you know, um, but I think that's things like creating books or other hard elemental um, uh, creations, like even a piece of jewelry or a design or something like that, but in some kind of metal that won't, um, that won't corrode or waste away, you know. Uh, yes, I she do says, know you know, I have... But I'm just addressing what you said about the internet stuff. That's all. But I know you have a book. I got a couple of papers out. I'm not as extensive as my other researchers around me, but I, I have a couple of climate change papers out that kind of got me in trouble a little bit. Hmm. I'm going to write some papers about how to change the climate, actually. How to rain fire, brimstone and fire from the sky. And you wonder why people call you a supervillain. I gave myself that moniker. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and this is why I call you Bagneto. Did you say Bagneto? Bagneto. Because you always got a bag and you're always on the move, but you have the mindset of Magneto. Mm. I don't know. You're always prepped for war or doomsday or anything of that nature. And where did it go? You know, Magneto got so angry, he, he was listening to Apocalypse, and he was going to rip the earth apart by pulling all the metal out of it. That's pretty yep. cool. To have that kind of power is terrifying. But so, um, but what about, uh, are there any divination horror stories about the destruction of the earth? I mean, people are oh, there's chickens, chickens and entrails and, um, and looking at the, the corpses. Uh, of animals. Animals. What about what other divination stuff? Or what's a, what? What are we segueing into here? Like, what was so? We look at uh, these divination oh. horror stories so far. What's what's next on that that agenda on that front? Oh yeah, I was gonna go into how with the different forms of calendars, how they predicted the world ending. They said Y2K was the ending of the world. Then they said 2012 was the ending of the world. Right, yeah, there you go. And now they say 2020. 2020. Right. And now they say 2160, or the age of Aquarius, will be the full okay, now, ending. Now that right there is something significant that seems like it would be more likely than anything else. Only because... It's very directly connected to a celestial body, the moon, that number. Yep. Because the moon's diameter is uh, essentially 1,080 miles, and the radius is 2160. So, um, so I think that that right there would be something. Ending yeah. says, to your point, though, that's why multimedia is so important. Yeah, definitely. And the ending of ages. Yeah. Being but across yes, all oh, platforms. Okay, so, 
Well, now look at this though. She makes she makes a point. Um, ending of ages. See, this is what this is what those actual those things actually are. They're about ending of ages, not ending of the world. And I think there's misinterpretations about that. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's the it's the ending of ages. Like it was it. You know, back in Moses' time, the end of Taurus, the end of the age of Taurus ended, and then it went into the age of uh, of Aries, and then it was the age of Pisces, and then we're going to go to the age of Aquarius. So it's the age, it's the ending of the ages. Um, it's not the ending of the world, and so that's really where people get it mixed up. It's like the end of ages, and I don't know where that gets lost in translation somewhere, um, but they think that it's the end of the world, but no, it's maybe it's the end of a kind of a world, you know, it's the world yeah. that's ruled by a certain sign, you know, that could be it. The end of the world of Taurus, end of the world of Aries, ending of the world of Pisces, and now the ending of the world of, of uh, Pisces, right? So that's the ending mm-hmm. of those ages. And I'd like to note that the ages move backwards to the it's way that the zodiac precession, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's supposed to go Air, Pisces, Aries, Taurus. It went Taurus, Aries, Pisces. Yeah, and now the Aquarius, which is interesting that I know that, but I don't know much else about um, astrology. But I, I do have that at least understanding. And only because of the study I did about how astrology rules the the Christian Bible, um, in that mm-hmm. that's you see, like the story goes, Moses went to Mount Sinai, which was actually the Great Pyramid, and when he came down, his brother Aaron had a had his people made a golden bull or a golden calf, and the reason why he was upset as an astronomer priest and dragged his brother Aaron by the hair and killed like three or four thousand of his followers is because he knew that, that they were making an idol to something that was an ending of an age, so he had to destroy that one to go into the new age of Aries. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, so, and then in the age of Aries, that age, about two thousand years, then Jesus was eventually born as a lamb of God. And so, you know, Aries, the lamb, lamb of God. But then Jesus, had, he was born near the end also of, of the age of Aries. And so then when he left and went to Egypt, he knew the knowledge that it was changing to the age of Pisces. And so therefore he started saying, I will make you fishers of men. And so that's where all that is. So you have direct connection to Moses and Jesus. And Jesus was in two ages, just like Moses was in two ages. Moses was at the end of an age. You know, and that's why there's these important historical um, things happening in the Bible. Is that the, the stories in the Bible are aligned with these different ages, but um, they but we don't, we have about eight thousand years of that, which is very interesting. Because if we go before Moses, about about two thousand years before Moses, what was there, right? So mm-hmm. it's it's it'll be very interesting to look at um, what is at the end of the. You know, what was the beginning? Because in the beginning of the age of Moses, it was, they had some more primitive people had a, what's called the Beltane Festival. Um, or maybe it was at the end of that age. Um, but anyway, because Beltane means burning a bull fire or fire, so burning of a bull. So I don't know if that was the beginning or the end. I'm going to have to look into that more. But I think it actually was the beginning where they burned an effigy of a giant bull. Um, to bring in towards the age of Taurus. Hmm. That's something to look into. Like, to think about it. As oh, each yes, ending. Andrew says the end of a, the end of a, uh, a power, power construct. construct. Yeah, or an end of a political reign. Like, for example, with, um, with Akhenaten, 
you know, he wanted to worship the rising sun god, whereas the, the faction that won wanted to worship the setting sun god. So he was he was worshiping Aten Ra, and the people that won wanted to make sure that they were worshiping Amun or Amen Ra, and um, and so it was. And so to this very day, that's the faction that survived, at least through our language. You know, that's um, all this stuff about right wing and the right-hand path all comes from ancient Egypt. Um, so, and those are all power constructs. And it's the reason why those things that have, um, you see horns, like the devil has horns, and it's like very goat-like, the Baphomet, that's mm -hmm. Ares, that's all based on Ares. And because the Ares worshippers, um, who were aligned with uh, Akhenaten during that age, because... Remember, Akhenaten was was um, Moses' brother, Aaron, um, in in the Bible, and he left. He you know to go and worship um, the 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 rising sun god, and as an Ares worshiper, because then you know after he because he was embarrassed. Can you imagine being dragged around by your brother, <laughs> beat up, get your ass right. kicked, and then. Um, and then you're like, man, screw you. I'm, you're, you're worshiping all this different stuff. I'm going to go become a monotheist and um, worship the rising sun god. And, 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 of course, well, now that I know the knowledge of that, it's, you know, um, you know, Aries or whatever. Maybe he still wanted to worship a bull. But either way, I don't, I'm not exactly sure where that twist came in because the devil is often depicted, you know, with goat-like features. Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe the faction that that broke off with, with Aaron, a.k.a. Akhenaten, um, maybe that's one of the ways that the devil got be depicted as as um, a goat because he was angry at Moses, you know, kicking him and their people kicking him out of the desert. So it's like these Ares worshippers, and so they have all this Baphomet and all this evil imagery around it. I, I don't know. Or maybe even that was the image created by the, the Moses Ammonites. So I don't even know if Moses were the Ammonites that, because, you know, the, the usual Baphomet is depicted as a, a goat man with two fingers pointing up and then one two fingers pointing down on either hand, so as above, so below. Right. That's really interesting. And the rising sun reminds me of Lucifer Morningstar. Right, exactly. And and Lucifer even means the light of the fire or the firelight. Because loose, loose means light and, and fur is, is another word for fire, Lucifer. So, <clears throat> and so this is what people get all mixed up with this whole light and darkness thing. It's like, but wait a minute. Let's take a look at the origins of the language. Let's look at linguistics and let's look at historical context and things like that. Like, for example, there's a really good book, one of my favorite books of all times, um, which is called Sermon on the Mount. And for some reason, I always used to read it when I was in the, on the bathroom. And so my, my girlfriend at the time, Christine, she used to say, I'm doing my sermon on the toilet. But anyway, um, and it was, uh, and so in that book, though, the author of Sermon on the Mount, Emmett Fox, he um, breaks down um, the book of Matthew and um, and in it specifically the Sermon on the Mount and he and one thing that really stuck out to me is the breaking down of the um, the part that says and the pure of heart shall see God 
And so I had to start thinking really hard because you talked about, first of all, in religion, they have technical language, right? And mm-hmm. then also words have changed through time. They take on different meanings as time goes along. So when you think about pure, what is really meant by that is just like pure in, in like with water. If water has dirt in it, it's not pure water, right? Right. Because it has dirt in it. So pure means one thing. And so in the context of spirituality, it means focusing on one thing. And so the pure of heart is like if you're meditating or thinking about one specific thing or feeling or emotion. So when you focus on one specific feeling, emotion, or thing single-mindedly, right, then what happens is that gets implanted in your heart. But what is the heart? Mm. It's not that beating thing in your chest, right, because it doesn't think like that necessarily, but it's connected directly to your brain. So what could the heart possibly be? It's your subconscious mind. So when you're singly thinking about one thing, it then becomes planted into your subconscious mind, and then you will be able to see God in the way that the Hindus do, which is namaste, that God in me sees the God in you. You then recognize that everyone is divine in their own way, that we're all creators. So that's the actual meanings, the pure of heart to see God. When you are able to focus clearly on one thing without impurity, or without anything obstructing it, then that gets implanted into your heart, and then you shall see God. But the interesting thing is, though, that anyone can purely focus on one thing. Like, for example, if I purely focus on destruction of the Earth, right, and I want to crack the planet in half and turn it into asteroid-sized dust, I will eventually get to a point where I actually can do that, right? And that will because that will be implanted in my subconscious mind. And then... My God, the good that I will see is anything that helps me to achieve that goal. Do you see? So anything that anybody focuses on single-mindedly will get implanted in their subconscious mind, and anything that helps them get towards that goal is God. And that's what people don't seem to realize, is that it's the single-minded focus, and it starts with that. Think about whatever you want to. It doesn't matter whether to other people it's good or evil, but the more you focus on that one thing, eventually that becomes your character and personality and gets implanted into your subconscious mind, your heart. And then everything that is around you that supports that is God. It's your good. Just like um, some of the Christian scientists used to say that um, your good is your God. That's what it means. Like anything that supports what you believe in is God. That's it. Anything that grants you the power to do what you want to do, that's God to you because it's, it's helping you achieve your goal. So does that make sense to you? It absolutely does. So that's where I stand on that on that that interpretation of that. That's where that's what I, I understand from the pure of heart shall see God means. And that's right on brand because that makes me think about when people see money as their God or they see material things as their God. It's a single minded focus on getting this thing. Right. So mm. And anyway, all of that from the fact that, um, you know, biblical characters are um, really either fictional characters made up to um, tell the astrological stories or or they um, uh, are are real characters who who simply followed astrology. I tend to believe that that's the one, that there are real people who focused on who were using astrology to guide their, their lives and entire communities and nations. I think that's more along the, the par, because it's like hypnotic suggestion at some point, mm. swaying the masses using 
stories, folklore, mysticism. broadcasting like i noticed a lot of the people online lately have been saying spiritual news not nationalized news but spiritual news like they're all tapped into one place and they use like hypnotic suggestion they'll always say take what resonates with you what you focus on becomes what it's going to be right and that's a that tickles me. Like, it really tickles me because I've written down some stories. I've been testing out theories. If I go to sleep watching something, I can oftentimes wake up with a story about it or dream about it. So I have to be careful about what kind of media I process before I go to sleep because I wake up and have a story. And then I'll write it down. I keep a notepad in my bed because I'll just write it down or jot it down, even if it's just a few sentences. And it comes into some really interesting stories like the original divination horror story was doppelganger thought that she could replace me. And then another day it was he tried war tactics on the spiritual warrior. Then Another one, this is a real horror story because someone actually told me I haunt their dreams. That was very interesting to hear. That's where that, um, what do you mean you seen me came up. Oh, I might read that one today. I'm going to read that one today. One of the first short stories I wrote was, what do you mean you seen me? I haven't been astral projecting. And it really came from me experimenting with going to sleep, listening to tarot readings, and waking up. Like, also, that random date, March 16th, 1962. I call that story a random implantation. I don't even know where that one came from. But as soon as I meet the person who was born on that day and year, I definitely got a story to tell. But it's like the more I practice in opening up the channels to see what I can hear and see in my sleep, the more I feel like I can write on it and make good stories. Like, I'm going to let people know all of this is just entertainment, science fiction communication, but I'm harnessing that piece and going into, you know, horror stories created in the dream world. But they'll make me some money one day. Make some good movies. Okay. Now, yeah. hmm? no, 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 go ahead. Now, the first one, I was just going to read What You Mean You Seen Me. What you mean you seen me? What do you mean you seen me? I haven't been astro projecting. That's some spooky shit. Speaking of spooky, do you know what a spook is? Spook is defined as a ghost or a spy. I call those dead-eyed spooks doppelgangers. Yes, they may look like me, but it's not. Wicked games played in the astral realm, not knowing what that not not knowing that dream magic can backfire. Don't sleep with them. Spooks carry sexually transmuted demons. Don't talk to them. They lie. Protect yourself. Protect your energy. You ain't seen me. I don't walk those realms freely. It takes a lot of energy. I ignore those calls in the dark. 
What do you mean you seen me? That's some spooky shit. What do you mean you slept with me? Go cleanse your space. Something dark's afoot. Go light a candle. Cleanse your body. Say a prayer. You seen my face? Impossible. Check their eyes. Dead-eyed fishes lie. What do you mean you seen me? I haven't tied my red cord in a while. They're bred to keep up mischief, chaos, and strife. Spooks get tricky. Watch your eyes. Check the clocks. Get in alignment. Sing and burn your herbs. What do you mean you seen me? I don't even take that form. So that came from me falling asleep watching a tarot card reading. And that's what I woke up with. That was the first horror story. What do you think? I really like that one. Um, I like the idea of that, you know, you're saying, hey, wait a minute. What are you talking about? I wasn't running around here after projection. How are you talking about that you've seen me? When I w- but you know what that, that reminds me of a lot, and, and it did the first time I heard it, was um, this idea of that sometimes people project with, uh, without knowing. Project unconsciously. Mm, that is funny because I have heard that the unskilled eye or the untrained mystic that wakes up out of nowhere will be seen all over the astral realm if they don't know what they're doing. Yeah, and so, um, the, the, yeah, I think, I mean, that can happen, I think. But the thing, the trick is in the story, I wrote about a red cord. You either put a red cord around your hand, a red piece of yarn to make sure your body, your soul knows how to get back into your body. Or you put a dot or a crystal on your forehead so it knows where to get back through. Because they say you escape through the third eye portal into the astral realm and then you'll be running around and causing havoc and then can't find your body. A lot. That's how they used to say people died in their sleep. Their soul couldn't find their way back into their body. I've heard a lot of that. I think that that's a lot less common. Um, Oh, yeah. Unless we'd have a problem. (laughs) That that was the old way of explaining it. And it just opened up a whole new world of storytelling. Because like the Anastasia story, the lost daughter, I just took every word that stuck to me. And it was the way the person was saying it with inflection and created a quick story. But like you said, you can take the blood of the Oracle and make it into a band name. I don't know what this information is for. I'm just writing it down because I heard it. Yeah. And it's very specific. Like I'm waiting on, it's very specific. Like, I'm waiting to find somebody born March 16th, 1962, so I can tell them this story that I heard. And I'm not going to tell it until I find them. But you, you really think it's very specific? It's very specific because I've been looking at that date and trying to find anything significant in history that happened on that date. But I know the person is a Pisces.
So tell me about that. Let's let's go over that again. So what is this date? Let's focus on that for a second, if you don't mind. So what is this date, and what are you thinking about? It's it's March ninth. It's March sixteenth, nineteen sixty-two. And when I wrote it down as a divination title for the horror story, I wrote "Random Implantation." I might have heard this on an ad that played between two videos. I was just letting them play. So I was calling it a random implantation unless it comes to fruition. But what is it? What is it? What it's about is somebody either watched the Beatles grow or were, was in love with one of the Beatles and she was really, really close to them. And they either have a kid or there was some form of connection with them. And it's so weird because I, I see it vividly and I'm like, this is random as hell. So I call it a random implantation. It could be something that was on an ad in a dream state. Unless it comes true. <clears throat> unless there actually is that person existing out there somewhere. Alright. And the date again, what is it? March 16th, 1962. Hmm. You see, um, well, so it's a date in the past. Mm hmm. So, what do you expect? I thought you said you're expecting something to happen or. No, I'm expecting to meet somebody that that's a significant date to them or that's someone's birthday. March 16th, 1962. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And if I never meet this person, it was just a random implantation. If I meet him, I know exactly what I'm supposed to say. I mean, I know the next day is, um, you know, uh, usually... Um, what do you call it? St. Patrick's Day, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So somebody either conceived a kid on St. Patrick's Day weekend, or they were definitely a Beatles fan. It just makes me wonder. Like all of the random stories. That's why I call it a divination horror story, because there's no telling where it came from. Well, that was 60 years ago, 9 months and 25 days. So baby boomer, the boomer generation. The Chinese zodiac was a tiger. The star sign was Pisces. It wasn't a leap year, um, and it was a Friday. Hmm. The number one song hit was called Hey Baby by Bruce Channel. The number one song in the UK was Wonderful Land by The Shadows. Or The Shadows by one, yeah. Um... Uh, the Beatles, January 1st, no, uh, uh, no, yeah, I mean, on that day, there's a, there's a website called onthisday.com, let's see what else, uh, first launching of Titan II rocket, mm. uh, the U.S. super constellation disappears above the Pacific Ocean and kills 167, wow. uh, Marcel Brand, soccer player, is his birthday, um, and John Owens Jones, a composer, died at 85 years old. <clears throat> hmm. Hmm.
something about the Titan being launched is pretty, pretty significant. Hey, Charlie, what's up? How you doing, man? That's Charlie Weiser down there. He's one of the, um, uh, the one of the, um, on the, he's on the, one of the team members of Colin. And so Hi, Charlie. He's uh, very instrumental in helping out with a lot of things here. Um, like uh, one day, my my whole panel. You know, when you log, when you go to your account, and um, mm-hmm. and you and you're on your own homepage and it shows the, your shows underneath there. Well, for some reason, a couple of weeks ago, whenever I would look at my shows um, or look at my account, my shows were gone. <laughs> like there was no, wow. there was no, they were just completely disappeared from there. I don't know if it was like some temporary glitch, but I looked at other people's accounts and those were all still there. And I was like, what the heck is going on? So I, I sent him a message and right after I sent him the message, like maybe within an hour or two, everything was was fixed again. Um, and thank you for your hard work, Charlie. So, and just you know, other stuff too. Like I asked him also to help me get the beta the beta of the video on here, and within like a day or two, I got access to having the the beta testing of the video, which I put to a lot of experimental use right away, and now I know exactly how I'm using it for, um, like, citizen journalism, because it's perfect, especially with that feature where you can flip the camera, you know, you can be, you can have the video on yourself, and you can be talking, right, I'm here on the scene of uh, um, where Hakim is about to launch his satellites into the atmosphere that's going to crack the <laughs> Earth in half or turn into asteroid-sized dust. Um, let's take a look at, the, uh, at the, the device here. And I flip the camera, and I can start talking about the device. As you can see right here, we have a, a resonator that is going to scale up the frequencies. And um, so it'll be... Cover your ears, everyone. We're about to explode. <laughs> that's right. The earth is about to explode. Cover your ears, everyone. Never mind the fact that we're going to go into a thousand million billion pieces. It's going to explode. Yeah. And we'll, we will be just another uh, uh, asteroid belt. Yes. Like, there is a huge asteroid belt between the inner and outer planets, and that's explained in astrology as well. In astrology, they do talk about one place disappearing. There was a astrological body that just disappeared, whether it was a large moon or a full-sized planet that just disappeared and it became dust. Well, in astrophysics, they often talk about um, there's a lot of contention that either it's an unformed planet that didn't quite (coughs) get to um, form, which I think is BS. The physics of that don't make any sense, um, but also it's it's just as plausible that that happened as as it got exploded by a, a scalar resonance weapon from somebody <laughs> either on on Mars or the or that planet themselves that they were working on something. Because there's, yeah. I mean, I've given plenty of examples already of how it's possible. There doesn't even what well, you can start with one piece of technology called lithotripsy where they use what they call shockwave therapy to break apart kidney stones. It's also known as sound wave therapy. And you just start there, and then you start looking at all the different ways that you can weaponize sound, and it's not a far-fetched design. At all. 
Because we've been using it for a long time to fix and heal with vibration. So the same vibrations can be used for destruction as well. Right, but look at even lithotripsy and the very few ways that it's used. That's actually destruction. The word tripsy means destroy. Hmm. You know, so destruction. So lithotripsy means stone destruction or, or rock destruction. So, um, you know, it's just... Somebody stop the man. He's on the roll. We're going to split the earth in half this year. <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe. Possibly. So this is Lex Luthor. And you have the lithosphere, right? So you have all this stuff, right? You have lithography, right? Lithotomy, lithoplane, lithograph, right? So all of those, the, the, the word litho, right? It means mm -hmm. short for, right? Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a short word, but um, it's a prefix. And um, hold on for a second. Let me get this. make sure that I'm not messing it up. So litho, prefix meaning stone, that's right. So it means stone. So that, so like a lithotomy, an operation to remove a stone. Lithotripsy, a, pre, a procedure to crush a stone. So crush. So I mean, if, they, call, they call the earth the third rock from the sun, right? <clears throat> right. So stone, rock, not too far off, different words, you know. So anyway, Tripsy, destroy. I'm, I should do that talk here on Colin soon about um, about exactly how to scale up the technology. I'm sure that if if I put it out there somewhere, someone will help me to uh, to get the satellites in place. <laughs> I'm sure wondering. somebody wants to rock and roll with me and destroy the planet Earth. Uh, but let's uh, forget about that horror story and get back to your divination horror stories. But yes, you probably would. You're probably on to something because there's definitely going to be a horror story for that one. Lex Luthor destroys the earth. You know, I'd okay. rather uh, use my own. I'm not Lex Luthor, but let's uh, let's move on to <laughs> divination horror stories. Okay. Someone trying to stop me. Oh, I'm definitely going to stop you because I'm going to be the interpreter that shows them that the world is about to end. Okay, so the next horror story that I found that was absolutely one of the funniest was Lunacy Caused by the Moon. And I went to sleep watching a tarot reader talk about spiritual psychosis and how these people had achieved it. The story came down to, this is the horror story. The person thought they were having a spiritual awakening, but they were actually going through a psychosis where they believed that aliens had invaded their brain and used nanomicrochips to enslave the rest of the world into darkness. And the only way that they could get out of it was by going through the Kundalini experiment. Experience. Now, that's interesting because, yeah, that's, um, I was just about to say, that's one of the things that is said about those kind of experiences that they're actually like a kundalini rising experience. So. Mm-hmm. But it was crazy because the experiment was going to sleep, listening to a divination message and seeing what you could get out of it. And that's what I found. And it was really, really interesting to wake up and write that dream. 
Also, there were no drugs involved. This was totally sober. That was one of my um, terms of the experiment. No drugs. Just to see what it does. And I was like, wow. There were always stories like how Albert Einstein came up with the theory of relativity. He said it came in a dream. So that's where this basis of test came from. I was like, well, if they can come up with scientific concepts, what can I do with something as simple as storytelling and see if I can write a book of these horror stories? You're going through the ethers just a little bit. Yeah, yeah, there was a, a moment. Well, what do you think? Oh, I, absolutely. I mean, I've pulled lots of things out of dream, dream states, and I think that all kinds of things are possible doing that. Yeah. There's also one story I have. <clears throat> I'm not quite done writing it, but it was the superhero school. And it was based on the concept, if you've ever seen the Divergent series, there's one version called The Nightmares of the Cell. And this is something I've just been cooking up for a while. Cell is a single cell channel born with a strange story. See, cell is unique. Cell has a few quirks. Cell can see on a spectrum, but lost the ability to connect to home. The only reminders are lost at sea of the huge conversations. It's called manipulation. Cell has a problem. The hive wants what it has. See, the Hughes believe that Cell is special. This is where the nightmare begins. Hughes like to play a game where they change their colors to suit what Cell likes. They find out what Cell likes by watching the black crystals and solo sorrel, solo sorrel, solo sorrel mirrors. The Hughes are very upset that Cell won't be controlled. The conglomerate has a few spokespersons that they use. Cell doesn't get angry. It knows that they are only doing what they are told. The conglomerate threatens Cell. Who knows what they are doing to them? And that was just something from a dream state pop up, like, hey, the nightmares of a cell, a single cell, or single cell organism stuck on a separate planet. Great science fiction. Yes. Yes, it is great science fiction. So I have a couple of chapters of that written. Hmm. It might be some of some significance from a past life, a story, or even an alien. But I love the experiment of playing in my sleep. Like, let's see what I can pull out. So I keep a journal in my nightstand. And sometimes I'll just pop up and write. Like, I've heard some of the best villain monologues ever. And I've written them down. Like, they sound absolutely horrible. And they're like, who, who is this talking? And I'm like, my subconscious mind. Like, where did you hear this? In my sleep. What do you mean you heard it in your sleep? I just wrote it down, but it's some really horrible stuff. It'll make great supervillain monologues. 
Well, I'm definitely down for that. I, I have some cool supervillain monologues that I've created totally from scratch myself. So, <laughs> so I get it. Let's hear. I started this experiment as an idea to see what can we truly find in our dream states. And I'm doing it without drugs, so it's not the psychedelic crazy dreams. This is pretty much going to bed at a decent time, waking up with really odd horror stories. Like there was one, I went to sleep watching a woman that was talking about being the chosen 144,000 that are supposed to continue on the Galactic Federation. It was really out there, right? It was really out there. She had a lot of good information. Okay. It, it was really out there. But what I got from that was, you remember I was telling you about that dream where I had already died and I was trying to tell people how to solve my murder, but nobody, like, it was only like two people that would listen. And I was having this really weird out-of-body experience, and I was trying to tell them, this is the murderer. The murderer was the ex-lover. And I was like, have you not seen any movie? Everybody knows the ex-lover does it. But it was very odd to see, like, myself floating around at my own funeral. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's the, uh, that's the way a lot of that goes. Usually... People, especially women who are killed, are killed by former or current lovers. Yep. <clears throat> but that's the type of experiments I've been going through. And I really want to continue. I think it's going to be a fun series to see on here. Like, see what I come back with the next day. Or I probably won't do it every day. Because I want to get some good quality sleep. Where I just sleep in pure darkness. Because I've had to reset Cause I had what a um, I had one too many sign dreams in one night. I was like, okay, I'm turning the phone off. I don't need any more background noise interference, and I slept in complete darkness. So I have to do resets quite often, but it's really fun. It's gonna make yeah, a good I mean, book. Every once in a while, we do have to change like that. I, I mean, when when you're constantly doing the same thing over and over again, and if you can't help it, then you can tweak small parts of it to make the experience different. And I think that that's important to do. So I, I'm on board with that. I want to see how far out we can get with these crazy experiences. Just by word association through sleep. Yes. And then we get live documentation because I'm probably going to come on here. I have been on here every day this week. So, so wait a minute. Are probably you saying that you're not going to be on every week, every day again? Like, you're going to take a break? No. But just not a break, a break from, from you sleep. Okay, okay. Yes, from the sleep. The way that you're From the setup of sleep. And then do a regular astrology show here. I don't want to do divination horror stories all the time. I might drive myself insane. You know what's driving me a little insane? Since what? I got this iPhone, there's always this little orange dot that's in the camera area that's on. It really disturbs me. That's the recording app. That's when you know you're being recorded and sometimes it's green when you're on the phone. Mm. Oh, well. Um, well, I mean, there's a... Uh, I'm 
glad that they're recording everything. You know, ever <laughs> since when I was um, when I was uh, a kid, because of what could possibly be called religious trauma, um, but it also turned out to be a very good thing in my life, is that I am under the the very firm suspicion and or, or belief that I'm constantly being monitored all the time because of the idea of the omnipresence of God. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I think that is a religious trauma, but it might be useful. Glad that I have it. Yeah, it, it's actually useful. I, well, I turn everything into something useful, you know? Um, right. So I think that is a good idea to do so, or else we'd be running around living with a lot of stress and fear. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, I do have that concept of, well, somebody jot this down if I don't remember it. If I said it, please jot it down. Mm. Somebody, I need that note back. Can somebody bring me that note back? Yeah. Now, um, let's, uh, let's see. I wonder if I, if, if I've had any, well, yes, I've had divination horror stories, but mine is something I talk about all the time, but. It's just a really interesting, strange connection, though. Like, um, before I get into that completely, I remember that um, when Neil Armstrong died, um, I was really heavily into numerology, and there's so much, so many numbers that lined up with him. Like, he also died under the numerology in the year of the same of his same destiny number. So let's just say mm. if his destiny number was, was, was number one, he died in a number one year for himself. And I'll have to look at, well, I can look it up right now and just, and actually just do the calculations right now. How about, how about that before we go? Oh yeah. Let's right, hear. So you can see. So Neil <coughs> Armstrong. <coughs> and uh, there you go. American astronaut. So let's go. Boom. I'm sourcing Wikipedia for this here. <laughs> Good old wiki. So if Wikipedia's wrong, they give me the wrong date. Okay, so he was born August 5th, 1930. Now check this out. He, he died August 25th, 2012. So he died in the same month, right? 24 right. days later. But look at the numbers. So August is the 8th, right? 8th month. Mm -hmm. Plus 5 is 13. Right. Right. Plus 1930. Right. So if we if we put 13 to 1930, we have one nine four three. Right. 1943. Right. Okay. So you add one plus nine is ten. Plus four is fourteen. Plus three is seventeen. Right. Mm-hmm. So seventeen one and seven is eight, which is interesting because eight is power, money, fame. So he was he was famous. We could say right. Without right. any question, Neil Armstrong was famous. So now let's look at August 25th, 2012. August, again, the eighth month, right? Eight plus mm -hmm. 25 is 33, right? And if right. you add 33 to 2012, you get 2045. Two plus four is six. Plus five is 11. Uh, two, wait, two plus, I'm sorry. Um, start again, eight plus 25 is 33. And that's interesting too, but I'm going to get to that later. So 33 plus 2012 is 2045. 
So 2 plus 4 is 6, plus 5 is 11. 11 is a 2. No, there's no matchup there. I thought it was, uh, oh, 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 I know what it was. My bad. I have to do, yes, I'm wrong. It's the day. Hold on, check this out. This is what's significant. I got it right now. So he was born on an eight day, on eight day, because August 5th, 1930 doesn't bear any other calculation for eight. But we have to take into consideration his birthday. This is how you do numerology. I'm so stupid. How could I forget this? So it's, so August of 2012 was when he had his last birthday. So if you go August 5th, right, again, which is eight plus five is 13, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that 13, right, then we have to go back to the month again because he had his birthday, but now we look at the current month was eight. So eight plus 13 is 21. And then uh, that 21 plus 2012 is 2033. And 2 plus 3 is 5, plus 3 is 8. So yes, he was born on an 8 day and died on an 8 day. That's, that's what the significant was. So I messed up the calculation at first, but I forget that you have to calculate in numerology. You have to calculate from the last birth date the person had, and then add the month and then add the, the year. And so that's where it was, 2033 is what the number came up with. So 233, um, it became an eight. So yes, so I was right, it was a full cycle for him. He was born on an eight and died on an eight. Which is oh, so he, com he completed the cycle of fame. Right, he completed a cycle of fame. He completed it and um, I thought that was fantastic. Now there's a, there's a lot of other stuff that goes on there. I, I wrote a, um, a whole article on hypnoathletics.com. I think it was called Blue Armstrong or something like that. I don't remember what it was, but there's a whole lot of information on that. Now, my divination horror story is this. Flora Elizabeth Carrasco, the love of all things, to my, my best friend and, and beyond all that, she, um, she was born, just like I was, under a numeral five destiny. Right. Um, and her death on, August, on um, October 24th, 2019, also was a five, right? So she completed a cycle of, of freedom, which the number five is freedom, it's fickleness, it's things happening suddenly, um, like impulsiveness, all that things like that, like travel. So there's significance in there, travel, travel to another realm, you know, leaving her body, uh, um, freedom, being free from the pain and strife in this life. But what's more significant and horrifying, the horror story here, because I didn't want that to happen, but um, it did. But for me, it was a numeral nine day. And numeral nine is the one that's death, the ending yeah. of things, and so on and so forth. So she died on a numeral five day completing her cycle and it was for me a numeral nine day um, which was completing the cycle and also death and so on and so forth so that um, is my divination horror story um, a horror story, story indeed it's a horror story that that is my origin story as a supervillain because um, one of the things that has happened because of that is this doesn't say anything about my love for other people all I know is that from because of that experience, you can't threaten me with death to my own life or to anybody else. So you can threaten my mom, my dad, my sisters, my brother, anybody. I'm like, well, I know what that's like. I know how that's going to feel. That's not a threat to me. So you can't scare me with death. And nor can you scare me with any other type of deprivation. Like, you're getting fired. Well, 
you know, like like Bain said when that that politician said, "We've paid you a small fortune. You think this gives you power over me?" Right. Oh, terrifying. Uh, That's why you uh, seem so scary. Now, the also, um, I did this once at a job that I had at a place called Fiesta Cantina, which is in Hello, Allison. I did this Hi. at a job. Um, called Fiesta Cantina, where the assistant general manager one day, his name was Mario, um, he, we were working during Pride Week. And I remember that one shift I had the day before on the first or second, one of the earlier days of Pride Week, I um, was stationed at the bathrooms because people, you know, you have to control the bathroom. That's actually a security position. Um, right to monitor how people are going in and out of the bathrooms and whatnot. But I was there for 14 hours straight one day. Hmm. So the next day when I went in, he says, Hakeem, you're going to do the bathrooms. Da, da, da. And I went to him and I said, uh, Mario, with, with all due respect, is it possible that I could be stationed somewhere else? Because I was there for 14 hours yesterday. Can we mix it up a little? And he just went off and he started cussing. I don't give a fuck about that. When I fucking tell you something, and just started going off on me. And I was like, okay. So I walked away. I, I'm, I'm assuming he thought I was going to go on shift. Nope. Went upstairs to the uh, second floor and where I kept my bags. And I just took off my shirt and started getting ready to leave. I didn't say nothing. And he happened to go out into the back alley and see me on top of the roof because you could see for the roof there. He was like, Hakeem, what are you doing? Get, get on shift. I was like, I don't work for you anymore. And that shocked him for a second. He was like, well, then get out of here. I was like, I don't work for you anymore. And I'm leaving anyway. It's like, what the hell are you trying to do? And so right. before I could even get off the roof, because there was roof access that you used as storage, it was like you could just walk out of a door right onto there. Um, if, if it had uh, an, an enclosure over it, it would just be another room, but it just happened to be used as an open-air storage area. Anyway, um, before I could walk out, um, uh, John, uh, the, the general manager, really cool guy who I still keep in touch with. He, he, um, he stopped me and said, Hey, I heard what happened. Um, I'm the general manager. I'm his boss and we need you. And I need you to stay here. Can you please uh, stay? He's like, Mario already apologized for what he said. And on behalf of him, I'm also apologizing to you. He's like, please can you stay? He's like you can stay up here on the second floor and work out in the, the open air area of the roof and you can stay here. And I, ha I already have somebody on post downstairs there. Anyway, my point being, that's my, my whole Bane thing. I was like, you, you're paying me, you're going to fire me. Now, I, now, mind you, I didn't have another job or any other money lined up, but that's how little I give a fuck. And so I've already had that <laughs> attitude since then. But now, after floor, um, you know how people have, like, you know, BCE before Common Era, and then they have Common Era, right? Well, right. I, have, I have before floor, during floor, and after floor. And my after floor is completely different than anything else. So I cannot be held by anything. I'm unbound by anyone. I have zero fear of death, of pain, of suffering, of hell. Even I'm willing to burn into everlasting fire. I completely reject all religion and God and fear of that. Um, if, if I have to, if there's, if there's to be some kind of transformation that's made because of someone who so completely stares into the face of even if there is some alien creature that calls itself God, I will do it. I don't care. I've completely dedicated one billion thousand million eternal percent that I don't 
any longer have those kind of, um, there's no control mechanism that can hold me. I mean, you'd physically have to capture me and like drill um, like puppeteering lines into my body to control me. And even then, I would figure out how to die and then come back as a fucking ghost and haunt the afterlife forevermore. And because I already know that we're eternal. So anyway, there is no fear. And a lot of this is also based on some other eternal knowledge of the cosmos, which brings us back to divination horror stories. I will be the ultimate divination horror story to anybody who fucks with me. You are a divination horror story to anybody that fucks with you now. <laughs> because that's slightly terrifying. Well, someone who has no fear or doesn't care about any pain or anything like that, I do think is terrifying. I'm terrified by the idea myself. I'm terrified by the fact that I no longer care. Um, <clears throat> but I'm glad that I do also, which is why, you know, I um, am going to do a talk called The Curse of Eternal Freedom is a Blessing. I remember that's going to be a good title. I want to know what it's going to be about. Well, pretty much that, but more in depth of why. Um, and just because also the fact that you can make that decision yourself, whether it's true or not, I choose to believe that because that's what gives me the ultimate power to believe and understand that there's nothing that has any power over me and that there is, it doesn't matter. Like to me, to make the decision that it doesn't matter. Like my thing is even if, God exists and the whole construct of the Christian Bible and all that fear is real. Like I, I've already gone through the, the, the scenario that if that's true, I still reject it. That, so think about that for a second. As a person, I accept that, yes, that very well may be true. And I've gone through the scenario that maybe I will have to burn forevermore in an eternal lake of fire, that there's nothing but pain always and never ending. And I still say, bring it on because I reject a universe that would create a scenario that it does for me and so many other people to feel the way that we do. This reminds me of in the superhero movie where the villain does a monologue and they really make sense and you'd be like, ooh, I get where you're coming from. That was the exact experience. It's like, mm. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. I understand what that is. Like, you do have a supervillain origin story. Hold on. Oh, yeah. Some people would say that's irrational. They're like, well, wait a minute. You're going to sacrifice? You're going to forego the whole, you know, treasures of heaven and and salvation and unity with God and all of your, your loved ones in order to make a point? Yeah. Yeah, it's called having principles. I'm going to take an earthly principle and bring it to the afterlife because I don't, I don't play that shit. There's something that I, I reject in all forms of me. It's not right in any single way. And the other possibility is that just like how a lot of new thought and other metaphysical-minded people say that we are responsible for creating everything in our reality, which I also accept as a possibility and more likely well, then it's still me having to face my eternal self, and I'm going to deal with that and burn that bridge when I get there. 
<laughs> May the bridges you burn light your path to a better beginning. That's right. Some men want to watch the world burn. <laughs> Who said that? It's been said by multiple people. It was definitely in one of the old DC comics. Really? Why would they do such a thing? It's always... It's, I've seen it in multiple movies. Why would you do such a thing? Some men want to watch the world burn. Yep. Well, how do you watch it burn? You just want to go up with it. I merely want to no, warm my hands upon the flames of the flag. Hmm. I use it to cook with. What good is that for me to destroy it and go with it? That's not, I'm not, what do I look like, a suicide bomber? No. I want to know for okay. sure that it's been destroyed and then go on to, uh, to destroy other planets and uh, realities. Because most of these constructs are garbage. So you're the destroyer of worlds. Yeah, maybe. Who who is the destroyer of worlds in the comic books? Uh, what is it? Um, what is Galactic. It? Galactus. Yeah, Galactus. <laughs> like he's eating worlds. Galactus, the world eater, who who had as his uh, his what is his the guy who went before him, uh, Silver Surfer. Mm-hmm. Going to look for planets for him to absorb that have you know seasoning on it, like life forms or seasoning. It's not just a dry rock. Ooh, wow, there's a little a water, a little flavor. Hmm? There's a leather-bound book in here called The Selected Works of Frederick Douglass. Really? If there is no struggle, there is no progress. Those hmm. who profess to favor freedom and yet depreciate agitation are men who want crops without flowing up the ground, or without plowing up the ground. They want rain without thunder and lightning. They want the ocean without the awful roar of its many waters. This struggle may be a moral one, or it may be a physical one, and it may be both moral and physical, but it must be a struggle. Power concedes nothing without a demand. It never did, and it never will. Mm. Yes, Mr. Frederick Douglass, I agree. And now I shall read your selected works. <laughs> Simply because of what is on the cover. <clears throat> okay. This is Cicely Goose, and I want you to know y'all are experiencing a real-life divination horror story. He's literally walking around like Bane or Galactus, picking up books. I wish I could do the beta video feature and watch you walk around picking up books, reading these important passages in your supervillain voice. <laughs> It's just my voice. <laughs> exactly. You are the supervillain, but I would really walk around behind you all day recording all of these exchanges. It's like F is for bombs that, no, what was it? F is for fire that burns down the whole, whole world. U is for uranium. Bombs. N is for no survivor. That, wait, that's, wait, what, who the heck? What, what wonderful song is that? That's from Spongebob, actually. Wow. Because it was the fun song, but Plankton made it into 
are strong about destroying the world with oh, uranium so... bombs and fire and no survivors. Plankton, I salute you, sir. <laughs> I knew you would. Oh, my God. This is going to be such a fun series because I'm going to come back with a different horror story. And mine are usually like bubbly fairy stuff. And then we have Hakeem over here. Dig through the ditches and burn uh, through the witches and smash in the back of my Dracula. Yes. He's going to be running around like Rob Zombie designing weapons to destroy the world. Well, you know, and here um, I am. What's really interesting is uh, this album from one of my favorite bands called Candiria came out, and it was a concept album, which the leader singer Carly Coma really didn't want to do because they'd never done it before. They just kind of went with their really amazing flow. And, but then they came up with this concept, concept album called Maria. And interestingly enough, Floor, she was around to hear and listen to the album with me. But then what played out the album and COVID were the same thing as first because she was killed on October 24th of 2019. And then I got trapped in China because of COVID. But the whole album was about that. It was about losing loved ones and a virus taking over the world starting in New York. And she happens, both of us happen to be from New York. And here's what's even interesting. Here's another kicker. When Floor left to go back to New York City from China, guess what city was her stopover before she went to New York? Where? Wuhan, China. Whoa, shit. So she left from Hangzhou Airport, took a short stop at Wuhan, um, and then flew from Wuhan to New York. And then, of course, then came the plague. Wow. Now, now that's another devastation. a scenario in which, uh, because she was killed, I was so... Um, enraged that I created and released a virus upon the world, whether it be one that is memetic in the mind as a psyops, or if it's real. Who knows? It's an Area mm. 51, a gray area. Yeah. Because they have been telling us that we create the world around us. So if someone is aware of the way that they can create the world around them, destroy them all becomes yes. kind of feasible. And the, the connection to the, um, the Candiria album is there's a line in one of their songs that goes the whole world will burn the truth of the star. And yeah, it's, it's just get what we earn tomorrow. But yeah, it's um you should hear the album. It's called Maria by Candiria. It's so beautiful. Um, they started off as a death metal band, and um, but a very but a death metal band that very seamlessly and uncontrived fused jazz and and New York rap and hip hop into their music. Like you wouldn't even believe. One of the best bands on, on earth, I believe, in my opinion. And uh, and then to come through this transition where the the album Maria was completely different than the album that they had before that, which was called What Doesn't Kill You, which they recorded after their van crashed. And you can see the images of the van where, like, they had broken arms and all kind of twisted spines, and the van was in mess. And so they separated for a little while, but then they healed and came back and did What Doesn't Kill You. And, um, but yeah. Wow. 
Yeah, they have uh, so many different amazing songs like Temple of Sickness. And, um, I mean, they are just one of the most incredible bands ever. Like, But that album was very significant because I would be listening to it all the time. And I had this anyway. But it's a divination horror story. It is. Definitely. Did you create the virus or were you just a factor in it becoming physical? I don't know. Maybe Floor was sent there to deliver one piece of the ingredient to it. And upon arrival in New York, uh, she was killed because uh, they wanted to silence her and silence me or send me a message because we were the, we were the scientists responsible for creating um, two things. One, a real virus and or two, a psychological script to put out to the world. To go I can see that. <clears throat> Talk about divination horror stories. I remember everybody, uh, um, I'm a, uh, just so you know, science fiction fiction communicator. (laughs) This is, none of this is, this is only for entertainment. I need to put that in the comments as well. And under the description of the show, this is just for entertainment purposes. And it has been a very entertaining show. And if you weren't here in the beginning, I'll recap a couple of the divination styles that used to be used. There was one that included cheese. So you might want to stick around to hear a couple of them. All right. So I was doing a little research on different divination stories and how they're done. The first one was Hiromancy. Using divination using entrails of animals, the innards, the guts. Another one innards, is skinnards. Innards, skinnards, specifically the liver and kidneys, and it was used so daggum long that they ended up using tablets in the shape of these animals' livers. So a lot of divination tactics were done once they stopped killing all the sheep and goats. They would use actual stone tablets. Then you have orinthomancy, divination using birds, flight path, and landing. And that might have had some validity as to telling people in the primordial times when the seasons were changing, the flight path, these specific birds, they come back every year. They had a little bit of relevancy to it. Then you have bibliomancy, which is something I've seen in modern day times where people use books. They ask a question out loud and then open a book and read what it says. Just a random page in a book. And that gets a whole story or a whole answer, which a lot of people find interesting. Then you have tyromancy, divination using cheese. Using the holes in the cheese to spell names. It's quite interesting. That is very interesting. Cheese. Cheese. Then you have ceramancy with melted wax, and you're dropping it in water to make letters and shapes, and you have to read through it. It's like the old news broadcasters like 
they were writing and interpreting things based on the human perspective and what they believed. And they call it fake news. <laughs> fake news. Very entertaining news. I'm, I'm pretty sure before they had TV, they had to tell some kind of story. So they used household objects. Well, I mean, this is the whole, I mean, stage plays and theater, you know, comes from this. Yeah, telling stories. Because there was nothing else to really do until we got to the point where we were letting everyone learn to read. Once everyone learned to read, it was kind of, well, when it was more common for people to read, we started getting print books and different things for people to read, and there was less boredom. So there was less going to the divination practices to see. A lot of things are interestingly arise out of boredom this way. Mm-hmm. Like all your storytelling. My storytelling? No, the storytellings, when I say your storytelling, it's like the stories of cultures, history, mythology, mm -hmm. folklore. Now, your story is a fiction work. It is completely... And totally, well, actually, I can't even say if it's fiction or nonfiction because it it lines both sides. Like, you're one of those people I can never tell if you're telling a lie. Hmm. Why is that? Because you say everything with the same even keel of tone. Most of the time. I've never heard this man raise his voice outside of yelling some random music or lyric, even when there's something going on, he doesn't raise his voice. It's really, it's hard to tell. He's hard to read. Well, I don't like to raise my voice. Unless I'm, yeah, unless I'm making music or unless I need to. It's not necessary. Very hard to read. Like, I, and then I already can't understand sarcasm sometimes. And sometimes he'll just bust out laughing after saying something really serious. And I'm like... This motherfucker is really Lex Luthor. Like, on Wisdom, they call him, like, this very Christ-like Jesus. Oh and I'm like, if y'all ever heard this man in real life or on call-in, you would beg to differ. He's, a, yeah. he's, like, walking around like Bane. And people are like, oh, my God, he's so wonderful. And I'm like, he's potentially going to destroy the earth with he's sound resonance. I don't know what's wrong with him. Me either, because I'm a blower. I'm finna um, blow the whistle on him. I'm finna ring the alarm. I know I'm just the horror story ladies, but I'm telling you, this man's a walking horror story. Somebody stop the madman. Well, stop me if you want. Listen, it's they, they can put me in chains, oh, but eventually uh, I will die, and um, that's where the real problem starts, just like Freddy Krueger. Oh, God. Night years? So you're going to be a nightmare, too. Well, the night yeah. I've already figured it out, how to be a dream demon. As a matter of fact, uh, Physio Meditation Labs, we created dream demon technology. As reported in the HitCap saga, harass, injure, torture, and kill all pedophiles. It's the way that they communicated in the, through the underworld to uh, enact 
so that they weren't on on radio, so that they weren't any internet or any physical traceability. The HITCAP operatives used um, lucid dreaming and astral projection and remote viewing and remote influencing techniques to communicate with each other in order to um, to travel through dreamwalking and make all of the different plans for how to assassinate or to, well, basically to hit cap, to harass, injure, torture, and kill all pedophiles. Remind me to stay on your good side, because I don't want none of that smoke. Well, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm just, my life is the product of my very overactive imagination. And uh, <clears throat> imagination, as Einstein said, is uh, one of the... Um, the greatest keys to um, in science, you know, he believed that imagination is is very important to scientific discovery. It is because they say the child, the adult with the with an imagination, is a child that never died. Wait, that what? child, like the adult, or, uh, maybe they're saying a genius is. Uh, an adult with a mind of a child that never died? Yeah, but I, it was always just shortened to oh. the adult with the imagination is the child that never fully died. Because oh, you ever notice the imagination. Okay, gotcha. Mm -hmm. That's where some of the best writers and sci-fi writers and fantasy writers come from. They never let the possible realism distract from the ideas that they could come up with. That's how we get really, really good sci-fi shows. Like, one of my favorites is Star Trek because it's the only future, like, so far in the future world where Earth wasn't destroyed. It was we solved all of Earth's problems, so let's go out into space and catalog all of these different adventures. That was the most pleasant one I've seen. Everything else is post-apocalyptic where people like wait. Magneto here have destroyed the world. What? Wait, wait, wait. What was the most... Wait, say that again. What was the most peace... Or... Star Trek was the most peaceful of the post-world shows where we were like oh, the year right. 3000. Yeah. Gotcha. Right, right, Everybody right. else in the very far future is the earth is destroyed. They were the only place where they were like, okay, we have solved all of earth's problems. Let's go explore the universe. True. They even stopped cutting open people to do surgeries. They would just scan them with light waves or radio waves. And that's what healed them. So we're getting kind of close to that. But a lot of the science fiction is becoming medical practice now. That's true. Um, but uh, um, one of the, the problems, the main problem with uh, one of the science fiction ideas through, um, uh, through uh, Star Trek is the, is the lack of currency. Um, yeah. Because uh, that can be used as a control mechanism. Mm. The idea it's, of no it's money? Already been, it's already been done in China, but because I used to live in China for five years. But what were you going to say? So you're saying the lack of money and currency is a drawback. 
way it can be because when you put everything digitally with the touch of a button anyone can control your ability to spend or have resources that you've worked for for, for whatever arbitrary reason oh if everything's digital then anywhere you go it can be like you know denied denied access denied there's no currency accounts for now that sounds horrible horrifying That really sounds horrifying now that I think about it. Because when I first saw it, it was like, oh, that sounds cool. And now it's a little less, it's a little more on the scary side. Hmm. Eating the last of a pineapple. I'm trying to use the natural herbal world. Yeah, to heal up a little bit of, you know, eat something that doesn't have high fructose corn syrup in it. Mm. Using a little natural sugar and acid to get better. Uh-huh. I see. <clears throat> yes, yes. Today is Tuesday. Correct. Mm. All right. Now this has been an absolutely interesting dive into all of this today. I'm a little over my time today. Yeah, uh, what the heck is going on? Because we got into some really good horror stories and how you're going to destroy the earth with the vibration and frequency. I'm not necessarily going to. I just want to be able to use it like how Cobra used to use their weather dominators and other stuff to hold the world hostage. Well, you know, they are saying nowadays that there is a weather simulator somewhere that's causing a lot of things to go haywire in this world. Well, there's the HARP, the Highly Auroral Active Research Project in Gakona, Alaska, that beams gigawatt, 100 gigawatt beams into the ionosphere and magnetosphere and is able to disrupt the um, the, the weather patterns. Um, so, you know, it's just squeezing that into a laser focus so I mean the technology exists to do things like that I mean also there's uh, the use of silver oxide particles that can be seeded into the sky which China does it and they admit it that that's what they use to cause rain so there's not I mean it's not like that's a secret um, and there's also government <laughs> documents that you can find that talks about exactly doing that to bring rain to dry areas of the world so it's not, um, not, that, not that far-fetched so he finally declassified all the information. That's wild. Well, I mean, it's never been a, like in certain countries, like China, for example, they don't hide that. It's just in the United States, they don't talk about it, but it's not like everywhere in the world. Like just because the United States keeps some information under wraps doesn't mean that another country is. But most people have no idea what's going on in other countries. Hmm. Or, for that matter, even the research that's done in laboratories in the United States. See, I read scientific research reports and scientific papers that were done for scientific experiments in the laboratory every day of my life. So, um, from a certain point f- till now. So, it's that stuff is just, to me, there's no science fiction anymore, really. A lo- a lot it's of all just science. 
it's yeah, it's just what's happening. Just because people don't know about it, they call it fiction, which is kind of ridiculous. I don't know that, therefore it's not true. <laughs> All right, buddy. <laughs> wow. So you want to do a science fiction communicator show over here? Um, I already have. I'm um, talking about with me. Yeah, well, I mean, sure, if you want to. Because I, mean. I know I get, you got some good information about the stars, and you've actually done stories about how to destroy stars. So it's going to be a good dive into astrology that way, too. That's a funny thing. It, um, destroying a star is, is quite an easy matter. And hmm. it has to do with matter. No we have there. six minutes. Let's hear it. Doesn't take six minutes. It takes one second or ten seconds. In order to destroy a star, you just have to feed it more matter. You just you can you can gravitationally push a planet into its path or a very large um, asteroid and give it too much fuel, and it'll destroy itself. Hmm. Because that's too much to burn. It's that simple, huh? It'll get too hot for itself, like. Um, certain things, like the, our sun, for example, remains at a homeostasis. And so if you give it too much, it's going to start to crop up a whole lot of solar flares. It's going to knock a whole lot of things out of balance. And it will eventually um, go supernova and explode if it has too much fuel. Wow. The other wow. alternative... Um, <clears throat> the other alternative is to... Um, is to concentrate uh, a lot of matter into a very small space and and sh and, and uh, inject it into the sun. Um, and once it hits the uh, the corona uh, and it starts to heat up, it'll cause um, disturbances in the rotation of it. And if you disrupt the rotation of the sun, then you also have another problem. Because its rotation is sort of like, the, and the simplest way to explain it is like a, uh, a shark that has to keep swimming or it'll die. It'll kill the planet. <clears throat> it'll kill the sun. So yeah, you just have to stop it. You have to disrupt its rotation. And, uh, I know I'm, I'm sound, making it sound like it's oversimplified, but I mean, it's not without. It's not beyond human uh, capabilities. A lot of stuff, laboratories keep talking about, we don't yet have the capabilities to do such and such. Well, most of that has to do with things on a micro scale, because especially when it comes to resolution. Like, for example, um, to resolve or to be able to image certain things, you have to have light frequencies um, that are a certain wavelength size to be able to see certain things. But when things get a certain size that are smaller than a certain limit, um, you can't, you can no longer... Um, view them and that makes sense technology because nothing to bounce back Every, everything in, in imaging and science is really so simple it has to do with reflection and deflection so it's just like the same way that sonar or radar works it's bouncing something and it's coming back that's how you image things on small scales but at a certain point something is not able to be resolved as they call it because it's too small to bounce anything back things just go around them or or, or are not bounced back because you can't you know if, if you just to think about like uh, like if you have a wedge or like let's okay think of um 
let's just say if you stood a pencil up, right, on, a, on its end, on the eraser, right, and there's a point, mm -hmm. and it's, let's say it's stuck fast in the ground and it's not going to move. Well, if you drop a, um, uh, a ball, a solid ball on it, the ball is going to bounce off to one side or the other, but it's not going to come back to you, right? It won't right. bounce back in your direction. So what, what's coming back to your detector to say anything's there? It just looks like it went somewhere else, but it doesn't go anywhere. So you can't detect something that small because the, there's no deflection back to you. Um, now, if that, if that pencil was turned on its side, right, and floating in the right. air, and it was solid or like you had to suspend it somehow, you drop that same ball on it, it'll bounce off and come back. Or if it's like a flat panel, a pane, like a flat plane, the ball's going to bounce back just like it'll bounce off the ground. It'll come back, and then you're like, oh, we have something... But there's a very small chance that anything is going to come back to a detector if it wobbles off the side of a point of a pencil. It just you just can't you can't resolve. You can't, there's no resolution. There's no way to detect anything. Now there are other ways to detect of large, massive bodies that we can't see or that are too far away by um, by gravitational lensing and gravitational effects that bend light and things like that, um, or like rotation. But but those are on massive scales. Things on a tiny scale like that are not generating, don't have enough mass to generate an, a gravity to have those kind of effects. So they, so the resolution falls apart. But that's just in mainstream physics. There are ways to resolve things much smaller. And even in neutral particles that don't have any charge or spin or any of those other uh, atomic numbers. And it's um, when you translate and use something like a Fourier transform, which can store information, like for example, a Fourier transform is sort of is the way that you can record sound, like physical sound waves, and encode it into ones and zeros um, on like a, on a disk as information. Now that information right. doesn't take up. I think you froze out. Hold on, can't hear you. I might have to adjust your microphone. I think we've frozen up. Hold on. There you are. All right. Am I alive? Now you are. You're a little less choppy. Transforms, I suppose. Okay. Here we go. So we're at CDs and how they have smaller amounts of information than zeros and ones. Not just CDs. Any. So you have to be on a CD or could be on a disc. You're breaking up again. Just a moment. Having some technical difficulties, you must fire the henchman that does your sound system. <laughs> Eventually. Let me... And 
Now you come in through clear. We still have no sound. I don't know what happened. But we are coming up on that two-hour mark. I think I've been on long enough. We will continue this conversation. Zeros and O's that come up and how we store this data and more into these divination horror stories. I'd like to thank everybody that stopped in.